Okay, good morning, everybody. Uh, I want to pray before I start today. I don't normally do that, but just something in my heart, and I, I just hope it comes across the way that I want it to come across. So, Father, we just thank you for this time. Holy Spirit, thank you that you are the teacher of the church. So we just give this time to you now, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that that which you have placed on the inside of me, that that would come out clearly, and that you would reveal to every person corporately and individually what your message is to them, and how we as individuals, Lord, parts of your body need to take this word and make it our own and walk in it. So I just thank you for this and give you the glory in Jesus' name. Right. Um, some of the stuff I'll be talking about today I've spoken about before, and some of it is brand, brand, brand new. But I, I think it will have to be a two, two Sunday. It's not, there's like 30 minutes left, so there's no way I'm going to do it all, so it will have to be separated. Um, if somebody can remind me or, or get my attention at 10 to 12, anyone in the room, 10 to 12, please just wave your arms so that I can finish the last 10 minutes with something I want. Okay, uh, we've heard so many amazing testimonies and stories today. I think if we took a Sunday and spoke about green card testimonies in this church, it would be a long Sunday. My goodness, my green card, my wife's green card, there's my mom, her, and my dad's green card, my sister, how that, it's just amazing the green card testimonies in this church, so... Thank you, Jesus, for the green cards. Yeah, thank you. Manuel over there, yeah, wonderful. So um, just starting off with that is talking about faith. If you have faith in something, your faith can only be as strong as the thing you put your faith in. Your faith can only be as strong as the, the thing you place your faith in. If the thing you place your faith in is not strong or powerful, your faith is weak. So, for example, if you have a beautiful Picasso or Monet painting, as big as one of those brown soundboards on the wall there, and it costs a million dollars, and you've bought this painting, and you take this painting home, and it's heavy, and the frame is gold, it's beautiful, and you want to stick it on your wall in the lounge, and you have four pieces of chewing gum that you chew, and you stick it to the back of this masterpiece, and you stick those four pieces of chewing gum on the wall, how much faith are you going to have in your painting being stuck to the wall when you come back from work on day one? Not much. Why? Painting is beautiful. Chewing gum is great. But trusting in the chewing gum to keep the beautiful painting on the wall, that's not so good. So your faith in the chewing gum is not going to be very strong. However, if I want to stick a piece of A4 paper on the wall, I can take a piece of chewing gum and stick that onto the wall, and when I leave my faith in the chewing gum now, 
can be very, very strong because the chewing gum can hold an A4 piece of paper, no problem. So my faith in the chewing gum depends on what it is carrying, the weight behind the thing that it is supposed to hold up. So now my question to you and I is we are all going through stuff. There's not one of us here that can say I'm not believing God for anything. If you are here, please come see me after the service. We need to talk. But my question now is what is your faith in? Now you say my faith is in God. Okay, my next question is, what kind of God is God to you? Because we all trust in God. Bible's full of it, all of it. Have faith in God. Have the God kind of faith. Put your faith in God. How is it that you don't have faith? But if we should write down on a piece of paper, everyone in here, your understanding, your neurological pathway, your experience, your belief, your foundation, your viewpoint of God, we are going to have different levels of faith talking about the very same God. So my question today is, how strong is your faith? And your faith only depends on your viewpoint of God. So some of us in here have amazing faith in healing because we know and we've seen God do the impossible concerning healing. So when it comes to healing, yes, I can trust God 100% because I've seen him move. We can have faith in God in this church for green cards Our faith, when someone comes, God says, I've called you to this country, and the government says, you can't stay. But God said, this house believes that if God said it, you will get the green card. It's coming. So our faith is strong. But someone who lives in a family whose parents got divorced, and their grandparents got divorced, and the aunts and uncles are fighting, and they got divorced, when you hear about marriage and a family sticking together and staying together, How strong is your faith because of what you've seen, what you've experienced, what you've lived, what you've seen all throughout your life? Do you understand where I'm trying to get here? Our viewpoint of God in certain areas and circumstances depend on the faith that we can have in God. You know, it's the same God. The God of the marriage, the God of the wedding, the God of the green card, the God of the healing, the God of the finance, the God of the peace. It's the same God. But for some other reason, the circumstances in our life shape our minds and our neurological pathways that we separate the God of the marriage, the God of the finance, the God of the healing, the God of the green card. And that's wrong. He's God. He's God of all that. He's a God that doesn't change. So it's because of our experiences and what we have gone through that we have this compartment of God here, God here, God here, God here. And today I want us to get to a place where, man, we can take that painting and that painting may represent our marriage, may represent our finances, may represent our health, may represent a family circle, whatever it is. And hang that on the wall that you know, that you know, that you know that thing is going to stick to the wall. That is not coming down. Why? Because of my faith in the thing that's holding that up and that is God. I want us to get there. So, uh, 
Ephesians 2 verse 10. If you've been in this church any time, you've heard this, you can probably quote it. Now that's for me, it's a dangerous place to say. You probably know this verse. I remember when I was in Taiwan, I lived there for 15 years. My wife is Taiwanese. And I started ministering in Taiwan. I would go to the church for the very first time and have this amazing teaching about David and Goliath. And I would talk about, and when David came to the giant, and you, you know when you stand in front of people or you say something and you can see that there's no. You know David, David, Goliath, the giant? And they, David, they're giants in the Bible? Oh my goodness, then you realize this whole teaching is not going to work tonight. I have to dial it down. Okay, we go back. Remember the Garden of Eden, the fruit that they ate? Like, dear, where do, in the beginning, where do I start? This is, so I've got to make sure that we're all on the, because we're all different levels in here, but I want us to get what I'm saying. So Ephesians 2 verse 10, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works which he prepared for us before the foundation of the earth. Because we're talking about trusting in God, having faith in God. How much do you believe that verse? Because as I say, if you've been in this church for any time, you can quote that. I've spoken on this many, many, many times. My question is, how much do you and I believe that verse? How do we walk out that verse in our personal lives? That's the question. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. How much do you believe that there is a good work for you? Prepared for you before the foundation of the earth, before sin existed, before there was anything missing, anything broken, before anything bad had ever happened, God set out a perfect path and a good work and a plan for you. Do you quote that? Or do you believe it? Or do you live it? Because if I should ask, and don't raise your hand, but if I should ask every adult here that is working on Sunday night, when you put your head on a pillow, and you know that Monday morning when that alarm goes off, you have to wake up and you have to go work. Do you wake up Monday morning and before your feet even hit the ground, you are praising Jesus because your assignment, your good work, that which you have being called to do, you are living out. And you can't wait to get to the office wherever you are because you are walking in your good work. And this verse is so real for you that you cannot wait to get there and see the people there and be who God has called you to be in that place. I, just me, and I may be very wrong, but I doubt 
that even 50% of us in this room here right now are living that. I, I may be very wrong. But we have bills to pay. There's rent, there's cars, there's insurance, there's medical, there's this, there's that. So I've got to work. But your work that you dread to go to is not the good work that Christ has set aside for you before the foundation of the earth. And I believe that more of us, not necessarily just in this church, because of the kingdom of darkness, the kingdom that rules and reigns down here, has got us in such a bind that I can't do the good work, even though I can quote the verse and I know it's here, but you have not, I have to pay the bill. So I'm going to stick it here, do what I have to do, Monday to Friday, weekend live in Sunday night. And that's the, the hamster on the wheel. While stay in his love, there is a good work that he has set aside before the foundation of the earth, for us to walk in. And nothing can change that. Nothing can take that work away. He can't change. He's put it in motion. That's what you are called to do. And many of us are not living that good work, which he has preordained for us. So my question is, how much do we believe that verse? Are we walking that out? Or is our faith concerning the good work stuck with a piece of chewing gum carrying a heavy, heavy painting? And you know what? I'll just have to stand here and hold that painting. I can't leave it because then it will fall. So my faith is in me holding this painting up because it's a valuable painting. My call, my destiny, my gifts, my talents, my abilities, it's phenomenal. But it's just not working right now. So I, 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 I will hold this up. Not God, because I can't have faith in that. Because if I do that, I, I don't know how I'm going to pay. So I'm going to stay here and hold up that painting. Jude, verse 20 to 21. Jude only has one chapter, so don't think your Bible is broken. If you can't find Jude 1, Jude 2, there's just one there. But you, doesn't say you people, doesn't say you who find yourself here between the other six billion that have walked on this earth, you who were an accident, your parents didn't want you, you who, no, but you, beloved, beloved of who? Beloved of God. I, my beloved, and he is mine. Can we stop there? Do you believe that you are his beloved? Are you his beloved when you just do good? And then sometimes if you don't do so good, the enemy will come and say, well, that beloved thing only works when you're really, really walking out the will of God. Or are you his beloved, full stop? I was talking to a man a wonderful guy, amazing man of God this week. And I asked him about the love of God and we're going through certain things. And he says, you know, I said, how much do you love God? He said, you know, sometimes I don't love God. I, I, I don't love, 
And that caught me off guard. I was completely befuddled because this is such an amazing guy. When I look at him, I see just the love of God and the gentleness, his heart. A man of God when I look at him. And I say, how, how, what do you mean you, you, you don't love God? And he says, well, the word says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Sometimes I don't keep his commandments. I break them. So I, I obviously don't love God properly. So back to my question, who is your God in your eyes? Are you his beloved when you keep his commandments? And when you break the commandments, he's like, move over there. Go, go to that side. And only when you keep the commandments, then you love me. Then you come back and you ask what you want, or you sit on my lap, or you come before the throne of grace. But as soon as you break a commandment, move over there. Don't come close to me. So can you say you are his beloved no matter what? Because Jesus paid for you to be in him. He is the beloved. You are in him, in Christ. No matter what, he loves you. You are his beloved. I'm not saying do whatever you want and live a while. I'm not saying that. I'm saying you're his beloved. You've got to check what you do. But his love for you does not change. So, you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Now, the last couple of months, I don't know, a couple of years, even in this house, we have been speaking about oneness. We have been speaking about our position in Christ, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if God is love and I am in him, this verse doesn't really make sense. Because if this says, keep yourself in the love of God, but I am in God, why would I need to keep myself in the love of God if I am in love? Do you understand that question, what I'm saying, or do I have to say it again? So if I am in Christ, if he is love, why do I need to keep myself in the love of God? Because sometimes how many of us have been on a, a, a spiritual high and you are knowing that you are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Man, things are working. It's going well. God is good. I'm here. This oneness thing, yes, I'm living this out. I got it. And then the next thing, something happens in the smell, see, touch, taste, hear, dimension, and woo, you fall down here. And now what in the world? Where that, where's that oneness thing now? Why am I? Where are you? I thought your word, and how is this? And it was so, have we all, been, or is it just me? We, you, you understand my dilemma? Remember last time I spoke, I said, I'm preaching to me, I need this. So we go from here to here. And I believe Judas saying, when you hit here, you keep yourself in the love of God. Because truth be told, from his point of view, from his side of things, you're never out of the love of God. But because of the circumstance, you may not feel the love of God. 
You may not see the love of God. You may not believe it's there, but all of that doesn't matter because He's love. You are in Him. You are His beloved. But you need to keep yourself in His love because He is love. And when you do that, you're going to go back to the oneness place that you are truly seated in heavenly places in Him. So when we go from here to here, how do we get back here? He says there, praying in the Holy Spirit. Praise God for tongues. Praise God for the Holy Spirit. Praise God for the gift of being able to speak that surpasses the mind. It goes spirit to spirit. Because I'm sure sometimes when I've been speaking in the spirit, if my mind heard what my spirit was saying, my mind would say, there's no ways that is going to happen. But the magnificence, the wisdom, the greatness of God made it possible for us to block this thing that is not always renewed and just go from deep to deep, spirit to spirit. And whatever God the Spirit says, God the Spirit in me says, yes, amen, that, let's do that, that's right. And the mind doesn't have a say, because just like when the angel came and said to the father of John, you're going to have a son, he's like, how is that even possible? He says, listen now, you will not say another word until this miracle has happened. Because with that mouth, you're going to get yourself in trouble. <laughs> so we're going to shut it just here. So that when this miracle, which you can't believe, you have no idea, it is the will of God, it will happen. When it has happened, you can speak again. Because then you can talk about, this was impossible, but look what God has done. But before that, nothing from you. So that's what we do by praying in the Holy Spirit, keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. So now my question is, there's some verses that say to us that nothing can separate us from the love of God. The Bible says that. Paul writes it. He says... Um, uh, Romans 8, do we have that? Romans 8, there are three verses there. Who shall separate us? So nobody can separate us from the love of God. So why is Jude saying, keep yourself in the love of God? If nobody can separate us, why is it necessary for us to do it? Because we go from there to here. But we need to keep ourselves there. How do you do that? By praying in the Spirit. Next one. Who shall separate us then? For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, angels, principalities, power, things, present things to come, height, death, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God. You cannot be separated from the love of God, but keep yourself in the love of God. So now, practically, this is just for me. I believe this will help somebody. But practically, how do I do this? Because that last bit of the verse in Jude says, look, for the mercy of God. How do you practically do that? How do you keep yourself in the love of God? Number one, pray in the Spirit. And number two there, he writes, keep yourself in the love of God. Number three, look for the mercy of God. Who in here has received some mercy from God in their life? Raise, raise, raise your hand. Look at my sister not raising her hand. You see here? You see? Can you raise your hand, please? Stand up here. Her hand is risen. You know, 
So, one more time. Everyone in the house, if you have received mercy from the Lord, please raise your hand. Thank you. Right. We've all received mercy. So now what I can do is I can go in my life. So I go into the quiet place. Psalms 91. Ten minutes. Okay, thank you. Oh, my goodness. That can't even be, man. I thought you were saying you've received double mercy. <laughs> Jackie's. Ten, I'm thinking, yeah, we're all double mercy, Jackie. I understand. Ten minutes left. I'm like, oh. Jesus. Okay. I'm going to have to stop there. What, what we do in this case, what I do in this case is go through my life and just look at the mercy of God. Because that verse says, looking for the mercy of God. So I get into the secret place. Psalm 91, close the door, shut the world out. And the world means a cell phone as well. So nothing is there that can disturb you. So you get quiet. And you start praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. And then I go through merciful places that I have received in my life and I bring those to my remembrance. Because I was there and something happened and now I'm here. But I need to get back there. So I, I, I think upon, look to the mercy of God. And then it, it just, when I remember the goodness of God, man, it just, I can feel myself just going, 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 going. And when I'm done with that, I like to go through the scripture and look for people who have received mercy in the scripture. And I just dwell on that. So one of my favorite is Peter. Uh, Peter, man, we're going to have some amazing conversations up there when I meet Peter and I can really ask him, what were you thinking, man? Like how, you know, I read it in the book, but it's, it, it's like an email. I, I don't understand your tone. I can't hear what voice you saying it in or you just, just tell me man to man what were you thinking because this yeah this is so Peter my question is after Jesus was raised from the dead and I've preached on this many times and Jesus stands and he's got the fish and he's got the honey and he's got all of that and, and he calls the disciples who are in the boat Peter's there he takes he had his outer garment on he brings his, his outer garment with Jesus stands and he says bring the fish which you have caught my question is, and I don't know if you think about the word like this or what, but this, this will help you. Because what am I doing? Looking for the mercy of God. Why did Peter not dive in the water and swim away from Jesus? He's just denied Christ. He's just a couple of pages, a couple of verses previously. He, he's with John. And the servant girl says, are you not with him? And he says, no, no, no. And Jesus said before the cock crows three times, you would deny. So he's just denied Jesus. Jesus is dead, gone to the cross, put in the grave. He's gone. And Peter could have something to do with that because he could have stood up and said, I know that man. That's not true. But he didn't. So when he's out there and John says, it is the Lord, why did he not get in or row the boat, do whatever to get away from Jesus? That's what I would have done. I'm not Pete. I'm not saying he, but if I did that terrible thing and I know there's Jesus standing and he says, everything I went through, you could have stopped. You had a huge part to play in that. Were you not the one that said, man, I got your back. Where you go, I'll be there. I'll, and then you deny me. 
I wouldn't want to stand in front of Jesus and talk to him. I would feel so bad, guilty. I would swim away. So when I look for the mercy of God, why did Peter not do that? What was there in the Lord Jesus Christ standing on that beach, beckoning the disciples to come to him that was greater than the guilt and condemnation and the inner feeling of Peter in his heart? That after he did that terrible thing that he did, he could still go to Jesus. That's the mercy of God. And when I think of that, and Jesus doesn't have favorites. You're all his favorite. If he did that for, for Peter, if he made a way for Judas, if he made a way for Barabbas, he made a way for Rifle. And that's how I find and I look for the mercy of God. And when I get out of my quiet place and I've done that, I'm starting to walk in truth again. Oh, let me think of Jesus. Forgive me, this is, this is just so much. Can we please have Psalm 16? Psalm 16, 11. This verse has a lot of extra meaning for me because when I just came to America, I was doing the campus ministry and we were in an office that we were renting on West Main Street, and one night during our Bible study, my, my dad was visiting, my mom and dad were visiting, and they would come every now and then. And I asked my dad to come to the Bible study and join us with the university students, and he spoke upon this verse. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. And he spoke upon that. So I was just thinking at that stage, wouldn't it be amazing? I mean, I know it's impossible, but wouldn't it be great if my parents could move here and live with us? You know what's happening now? I'm looking for the mercy of God. My parents are living here with us. So it's just the impossible. That's the God that we serve. But that verse says, you will show me the path of life in your presence. So this is David writing. Who's, who's the in your presence? Who's the capital Y-O-U-R? Who's that? God. God. Abba. Father. God the Father. Right? Because David did not have Jesus yet. Is that right? So he's talking about God the Father. Abba. So God in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So to save time, Ephesians chapter 1 says that we are seated where? We are seated in Christ Jesus. Where is Christ seated? We are seated in Christ. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Go back there, please. At your right hand are 
people that you got to put up with forevermore. <laughs> At your right hand are accidents that weren't meant to be. At your right hand are people that you had to give your son up so he would hang on a cross to get them back. At your right hand are people who said they love you, but they didn't keep your commandments, so they were just basically liars. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. When God the Father sits on his throne and he looks to his right hand, he doesn't just see Jesus, who is his pleasure, but you know that you are seated in him at his right hand. You are his pleasure forevermore. Who is your God? Who are you putting your faith in? What are you putting your faith in? Is it a God that's out to get you? Is it a God that remembers every wrong? Or is it a God that looks to the back of Jesus and sees those stripes that are healed and says, you were worthy of those stripes, otherwise he wouldn't go. When he looks to his right hand, he sees you and you are a pleasure in his eyes for ever more. If you know who your God is, my next question is, who are you? Because if you know that you are a pleasure in his eyes for ever more, you're going to have way more faith for every circumstance that you go through. Because of who he is. And, and Paul says the life that I now live. I live by the faith of Christ Jesus. It's not even my own that I have to produce. I don't have to come up with it. It's a gift. It's his grace and his mercy that has given me that. So now when I go into a circumstance that's not working, I just see him looking to his right hand and seeing me there and saying, pleasure forevermore. Because I have people that spoke things over me at school and university and through life. Man, that damages your soul. People say things because they don't know who you are. Most of the time they say horrible things to you because they don't know who they are. But it damages you. It marks your soul. But that's not the truth. See, truth sets free. Not people's feelings, emotions, words, lies. Truth sets free. You will know the truth. And, and this is truth. This will set free. So if you can see yourself at the right hand of God in Christ Jesus and the Father, he can't stop. Have you ever heard of the left hand of the Father? 
Have you ever heard what's on the other side of the throne? Or do you hear and read about at the right hand, at the right hand, at the right? In Proverbs, it talks about right and left hand blessings and wealth. But I'm, I'm saying in heaven at the throne. What do we read and hear about all the time at the, at the right hand? Because who's there? You in Jesus So he's not like people say. And then maybe when you do something good, then you'll look again. He's not. He's constantly. My right hand pleasures forevermore. It's paid for. You have been paid for. Everything you've done has been washed away. Pleasure forevermore. That's truth. That's how we look for the mercy of God. That's how we stay in the love of God. Because from his point of view, you are never out of the love of God. That is written for us to stay in our perspective in his love. Because from his perspective, it never changes and you are never delegated to anything under a pleasure forever more. Let's stand up. Jesus, I wish I had more time today, but you obviously knew this was all the time that was needed. So thank you for this word that has gone forth today. Thank you for that which we have received. Thank you for Holy Spirit for speaking to each and every one of us individually and corporately as to what we need to do, what we need to look at, and how we need to act as children and the beloved and the good pleasure of you. So we just come right now and Holy Spirit, we just say we thank you for the seed which has been planted in our hearts. And we will take the seed and we will keep all the weeds out. We will water it. We will make sure that it grows. thank you that we are right now seated at your right hand in heavenly places and as your word says you will show us the path of life at your right hand of pleasures forevermore and we thank you that you have created us to be a pleasure you have created us to be light you have created us to be carriers of love us to be burden breakers to be chain smashers to help other people walk in their freedom so that each human being would know that you see them and created them as a pleasure in your eyes So thank you, Jesus, for making us a possibility. Thank you for receiving us on the inside of you. Thank you for making us, through your mercy and your grace, your body. Thank you that your word says that it's an honor 
to be called children of God. So we give you all the glory, all the praise. We thank you. We worship you. And help us this week, Lord, as we walk out your Holy Spirit, that we would pray in the Spirit, keep ourselves in the love of God, and look for the mercy of God through Christ Jesus. And all of this we ask and we receive because we ask it in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. Praise God. If you need prayer, we will have people in front that would love to pray with you. Have a blessed week. God bless. See you next week.